I V M. News Kids on the Block. We're bringing to you stories that top the nation's papers, fresh from the Assen International School and IVM desk. Hi, I'm Kavya. I'm Anya, and I'm Trivik. And welcome to this episode of News Kids on the Block, where we give you all the top news updates of the week. And for the first time in NKOTB history, we are actually recording an episode sitting in the same room. That's right. We are at the IVM studio today. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, I and have... I'm big time now, guys. Don't try calling me. Delete so, my number if you have it. So this is um supposed to be a Christmasy episode, but we don't have anything Christmas related in it. Kavya will serenade us later. So I'll start us off with a very interesting story that my uncle sent me. Um, which is yes, go Uncle Heb. Which is about the Swiggy stat eat sticks. Okay, so um, it's basically statistics that Swiggy has collected over the last year of the over twenty twenty one about what different cities have ordered and the different foods and stuff like that. So I thought it would be really interesting to go through some insights that Swiggy has um, collected and share that with you guys. <gasps> so, f- su- not surprisingly, really, but some interesting fun facts we'll do. So Indians ordered not surprisingly, but one hundred and fifteen biryanis per minute. And even if you look at the um, like what each city has ordered the most, almost every city has ordered chicken biryani the most. I wonder what percentage of that in Mumbai is down to my family itself. We have like five biryanis a week. Samosa was the number one snack in the country ordered, uh, followed by pav bhaji and gulab jamun. Um, the most healthy, health conscious city was Bangalore, which had the most uh, orders that were health conscious and healthy. And then the top dishes ordered after 10 p.m. were cheese, garlic bread, popcorn, and French fries. Who orders popcorn from Swiggy? Popcorn, like yeah. chicken popcorn, or no, like just general popcorn. And what was the last one? Fries. Yeah, fries. Like, how did you cinema banana? Yeah, and uh, let's look at Mumbai specifically. So the most ordered dish of the year for Mumbai was dal khichdi. What? <laughs> As opposed to my mom has ordered dal khichdi from Swiggy, so I'm not surprised. Chicken fried rice. Pav bhaji, masala dosa, and garlic breadsticks. Where is pizza? I feel like the only thing I even order from Swiggy is pizza. Literally, if if you look at it, no city has ordered pizza. Like it's not in the top five of any that city, is which is a bit surprising, surprising and a bit sad at the same time. No man, why order pizza when you can have biryani? That was some interesting stuff. And Anya. So the next story that we have to you is in a historic moment. Um, the government wants to raise the legal age of marriage for women from eighteen to twenty-one years. Um, so currently. Women could get married at the age of eighteen, whereas men could only get married at the age of twenty-one. And the government is hoping to change that. Um, on Wednesday, the fifteenth of December, the union cabinet took the decision to do that, essentially bringing the age of marriage for men and women to the same level. So, like a few things to note is like in India, because of just how diverse it is, um, and given the fact that there isn't like a uniform civil code, and there are a lot of Personal or religious laws. Um, different religions have different legal ages for marriage, and the centers or the government setting a standardized law would, you know, obviously affect that. Um, this is the age of consent for marriage. Um, and the Narendra Modi government decided to re-examine this for like various reasons, including gender neutrality. A lot of people have proposed that by increasing this age, women will be in their own house longer, so that might lead to forced—not forced, but essentially forced—higher um, rates of education. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people have also argued that, that that for women, often marriage is like this freedom moment where they can leave their house and live in a different way. So. There's a lot of like juxtaposition as to which way it truly is. 
The National Family Health Survey revealed that child marriage has come down marginally from 27% in 2015-16 to 23% in the 2019-20 year. So, yeah, this was like a really interesting thing that the government has done because I think as a culture in India marriage is something that is so definitive of you as a person especially for women. Um and the I know that like I've often asked like as a kid like why why can women only get married at 18 or why is it 21 like why is there this like strange age gap that being said um there have been petitions and referrals filed to change this but yeah I think all in all it just is like the fact that somebody thought about it and done it and now we're having this conversation because by law a woman can get married at 18 and you know knowing that I'm 2 years away from 18 it's like okay but then 21 seems a little bit further away so I think that it just brings a lot into perspective about like age and marriage in the future yeah i think it's it's really cool that now the age is the same for men and women but i also think that this could first of all bring down rates of child marriage because people who ab- do abide by the law will probably not um 18 is still really young if you think about it and I, but i also think that this could because the age is higher people might also start like doing, going against the law and getting married earlier if they want to so i think this is mostly good but also i think it could have its bad implications i think it's great to see that the government are helping work against child marriage because in the past it has not always been the government it has always been the protesters i'm glad to see that it they the what they're saying when they go in their go to protest when they talk on the internet that what they are saying is actually having a difference it's making a difference because the only ones who can really make a change in this world after beyond what we can say is the government and i'm glad to see that the government are finally acting on it yeah But that will take a short break and we'll be right back on news kids on the block. Welcome back to News Kids on the Block. I'm your co-co-co host Rivek Hariharan and our next story for you today. It's about a woman from Delhi claiming to be the widow of the great-grandson of the last Mughal king, Bahadur Shah Zafar II, recently approached the court and asked for reparations. Sultana Begum claimed ownership of the Red Fort and asked the court to hand it over to her. She said if that was not possible, she would like to receive monetary compensation. So Justice Rekha Pali, the judge who was presiding over her case, dismissed the plea and denied her right to the monument. You know, she said that the petitioner was 150 years too late and that handing over the Red Fort would not be possible. And according to Sultana Begum's lawyer, she is the widow of the late Mizra Muhammad Bedar, great grandson and legal and rightful heir of the last Mughal emperor, late Bahadur Shah Zafar. First, said the second king of Delhi. After his death in 1980, Begum was also given pensions by the Ministry of Home Affairs. In her petition, Sultana claimed that her family was being denied of the property since 1857, ever since the East India Company took it over. I think it's a crazy story considering how big the Red Fort is to Indian culture. Now, just 150 years later, some woman who was unheard of until. recently has come forward and said that this is my property this is it's mine and if i don't get it i want money compensation i think it's more an act of greed rather than it being it's a long shot to try and make some money but i think there are so many stories we read about in like say france or italy where people are like coming and claiming like the medici throne and like this throne and that throne and i feel like this is a very similar situation in india i mean yeah like bahadur shah zafar he basically was like the end of this Mughal dynasty which like reigned from whatever 15 whatever when Babur came to India and then with the East India Company and then the first war of independence in 1857 like so much of our culture has changed post colonialism and i think that the Mughals are in large part like the only remnants of Hindustan because after that everything kind of changed right so i think her claiming the red fort is a bit extreme 
is extreme but it's also in like some strange way like a preserval of culture but the only thing is that how would that reflect on like you know how would that reflect on like indian culture like you said like if you go to delhi you go to the red fort it is it's a part of india now and then if somebody of- owns that like how does that make you feel as like an indian <laughs> It's not a monument anymore. It's someone's ghar. Exactly. Our next story for you comes from the world of the film industry, where South Indian films, specifically those in Tamil and Telugu, have been leading box office collections in 2021. Movies like Master Vakil Saab Love Story, as well as Pushpa the Rice Part One, have been key hits in the South Indian cinema. On the other hand. because of covid mainly hindi cinema or the bollywood industry was only able to see some sense of resurgence according to an article by livement with movies like akshay kumar's much anticipated suryavanshi and the yet to come 83 starring ranveer singh the hindi film industry has gotten in 450 crore rupees while some movies are yet to come on the other hand The South Indian film industry may have collected closer to one thousand crore rupees. I think that this is really interesting because I don't speak Tamil or Telugu, so I don't tend to watch South Indian films. But and I don't actually watch Hindi films either. I don't watch films in general. The point I think my general point is just Bollywood is just like very very glorified thing sometimes, <laughs> and it's fun and nothing like watching a bad Bollywood movie or a good bad Bollywood movie for that matter. Like it's different. Um, but I think that this is really interesting because. from the few south indian films that i have seen the entire quality from like a filming perspective um is really different and so of course while like there might be changes with like the storyline or there might be something lost in translation um and i think that as they're getting more popular as you know uh, technology is developing with like dubbing movies or translating things in a way that anyone can reach it i think it's really interesting and great to see like different movie industries taking over different movie industries so yeah this was like a interesting piece of news with that we'll take a short break and we'll be right back on new skills on the block welcome back you're listening to new skills on the block i'm your coco co-host kavya so the next story is something that a few hours ago i wouldn't have even thought possible so a nasa spacecraft for the first time in history has managed to touch the sun um this is the nasa's parker solar probe and it has basically collected particles and magnetic fi- magnetic fields um in the corona it's not the virus but the sun's upper atmosphere this like i said is like we've always been told that oh nothing can go close to the sun nothing can touch the sun or you like burn and you you'll die you'll die like even if it's an object it won't be able it to will. it'll dis- be destroyed so the fact that this this is actually possible and it's been able to actually penetrate the sun is a really a fascinating idea and obviously also a major step in science and to learn more about the most important and the star that gives us light and energy and which we cannot survive without so i think it's really interesting and just opens up a variety of insights and perspectives that we never deemed possible honestly it's so cool that this is possible because an hour ago i would have thought this is not possible <laughs> <laughs> and with that we'll take you on to the best story of the day and that is you know it we've been talking about it for a couple episodes now it is spider-man no way home it has finally hit theaters worldwide and my oh my is it a banger so Spider-Man No Way Home is officially the second biggest box office has made the second biggest box office debut in history making 260 million dollars that is USD 
in just until now which means that it has overtaken avengers infinity war but still since sits second behind avengers end game which let's face it amazing movie biggest of all time so it has captured 348.8 million dollars from 60 overseas markets pushing the its global tally to 600, 600.8 million dollars so far it is still behind infinity war in t- the total money accumulated infinity war made 640 million while end game made 1.2 billion I think it'll definitely surpass Infinity War over the coming days. Sorry, what's it? I have to ask. Why are all these like top-ranking movies all Marvelly and Avengers? Just because Marvel owns Hollywood. Hollywood is Marvel. Yeah. Unless you go to like you know Bollywood and like the <laughs> South Indian film industry. I would like to. I would really like to see an Indian Spider-Man. That is definitely something. Were they I would supposed to come out with like an Indian superhero and like Priyanka Chopra was supposed to play her or something? And he was like Kamala Khan or something. Seriously, this is a thing. Regardless, we're going off topic here. Let's talk about we're talking about appreciating Spider-Man right now. We can appreciate potentially having Indian superheroes. Like I mean, Shakti Man tops everyone, but like still. We have Chota Beam. What more do we need? Okay, yeah, true. So naturally, this new Marvel adventure has obliterated the box office post the COVID era. It is the biggest ever movie release since COVID started. Since COVID has become a thing, and it has taken the world by storm. I actually saw it on Friday for the first time, and then three times since. Yeah. <laughs> True. That movie changed my life. It is a life-changing experience, and it these two people sitting next to me have still not seen it, and one doesn't plan, even plan on, on seeing it. Do you plan on seeing it? I will. It? I will eventually. I'm, I'm looking forward to eighty three. Like once I watch eighty three, then I'll watch it. it. I can't prioritize no, you won't even watch it after that. I won't. Kavya is a big traitor. Kavya needs to appreciate. Guys, I read the Wikipedia page. You can hear all about on our episode with IVM likes, which drops like yeah. on Friday, the same day as this is dropping. And since we don't really do much Christmas stuff this time, you will get all things Christmas on that. So make sure you go check it out right after listening to this. We are also going to be taking a little break for one week because we have Christmas holidays and we kind of want to travel and stuff. So. It'll just be a short week, and we'll be right back after that. That's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of New Skids on the Block. Don't forget to tune into us every Friday for our fresh take on the news from across the globe. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast dot com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you next week. Till then, do share this episode with your folks. Stay safe and don't forget to do your homework.